0: Dom And I'm married to my beautiful wife, Sarah. We have two boys, Maxime and Levi. Um, and we live in Germany at the moment, in Cologne. Um, I'm a pastor of a church, or we're both pastors of Cologne City Church. And uh, it's just been a great time together here. We had a karaoke. It was amazing. Uh, it kicked off with a yodel uh, song that I've never heard in my entire life. Uh, and it was absolutely amazing. I didn't know that Mick could yodel that well. It was... Uh, a very emotional moment for us <laughs> as Germans. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was great bonfire with great sessions. We uh, did a few sessions together in here and we really felt that God laid on our heart this whole idea of living the dream. And we spoke about the last few sessions about dreaming. It's not something that happens very often, maybe at night, but, <laughs> um, but we really wanted to speak about this idea that God gives us dreams and allows us the space to dream. And we had actually had a moment yesterday where we had a bucket list that we handed out to people that they had to write down some dreams. And it was amazing last night to hear some of the dreams that people felt God put on their heart for many, many years that they have maybe buried or forgotten about. And we really believe that uh, over this weekend, including this morning, God maybe wants to reveal or refresh or renew some dreams that he has put inside of you. The Bible says, where there is no vision, the people cast off restraint." And I think it's such a shame if we live in a time where people lose maybe vision or dreams for their family or for their, for their own life or for, for their walk with God. And I think that God wants us to dream. And we looked in particular at the life of Joseph because he was a dreamer that had some God dreams that really shaped his life to the very end. And I want to continue with that. Um, and I want to talk today about dream team. Um, dream team. And um, I'm going to read you one verse that is not from Joseph, but it's in Ecclesiastes. Uh, Ecclesiastes. Sorry, I was thinking about speaking with a translator, but I'm, I'm trying my best. Uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9 says, Two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has no, no, not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And if though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him and threefold cord is not quickly broken. And I want to talk today about that if we want to see our dreams fulfilled, we need a team around us that help us to fulfill this dream. Okay, I'm going to pray quickly. Jesus, we thank you for your time. Uh, For for the time that we have together, I thank you for your word, that it's alive and active. And I pray that you help us this morning to maybe discover something new, to have a new revelation, a new insight of your word. And Lord, we just really pray for open hearts and open minds that maybe fresh dreams will will just rise up in this room. We want to invite you, Holy Spirit to come and speak to us. I thank you, God, that you allow us this space to dream and to have vision for our own lives and for our families and for our churches and cities and nations. And I just want to pray that you would release something fresh this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, quick question. When you were in school, what was your favorite, is it subject or class? Subject? What was your favorite subject? History, okay. Anything else? Biology, Biology. wow. It's good that you're a doctor now. By far, my favorite uh, subject was P.E. <laughs> Sorry, but I'm just not very clever. So P.E. was always great to get some good grades. And th- we, I don't know how it works in England, but we always had some time where we played a game together, like football or basketball, and you would all line up at the wall, and then they'd choose two people, and they had to pick a team. Do you remember that? Yeah. Oh, for s- <laughs> some deep, deep scars. We're going to pray afterwards <laughs> for the scars that P.E. costs in our life. Um, but you never wanted to pick la- to be picked last. There was a terrible thing. Somewhere in the middle was okay. But the guy who was you know, chosen to be the captain you know, for, for the team, he really had to make a good decision okay he 's going to be in goal and who 's going to be at the back and at the front, and who 's going to uh, uh, sit and just look good and cheers on. <laughs> And I was sitting thinking about it, and I read this phrase a couple of weeks ago, or not, actually a couple of months ago, there is no I in team. (laughs) And I really liked it, that actually, if we want to do something in life that is worthwhile, we need a team around us that help us achieve the goal that maybe God has put in our lives. It's really hard to just do it on your own. And I think especially in church, it's so important to understand the beauty of the body working together. And I don't know what role you play in this church, whether you've been coming for... 10 months or 10 years or maybe 50 years um, your part is really crucial to make this church work and to move forward into that next phase because we said it a few times this weekend the best days of derby city church are still ahead of us they're not behind us they're still ahead of us and i really believe that with all my heart that there's going to be some amazing stuff happening in our churches over the next few years because god is on the move And he loves to reach people and he loves to expand and stretch our imagination and help us to dream. Maybe seemingly impossible dreams like starting a church or opening a hope center or whatever. But you can see that God is putting dreams in our hearts to fulfill. And so I just want to talk about the people that Joseph had in his life that made him successful in in following through the the, the dream that God gave him. In verse um, in Genesis 37, so we're going to jump into Jacob's uh, Jacob's story and Joseph's. Um, it says in verse three: Now Jacob loved Joseph more than any other of his sons, because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a robe of many colors. So Joseph was the favorite. Did you see it? By the way, I found the lost coat of Joseph. Snoop Dogg is wearing it now. That's what it says. A rope of many colors. And I saw it the other day and I was like, hey, you stole that from Joseph. So if you ever wondered, that's exactly the rope that Joseph was wearing all those years ago. Now you can see it in a film. Uh, Alright, take it off. (laughs) The first person, I think, that you need in your life in order to see the dream that maybe God has put in your life come to reality is a father who affirms you. A father who affirms you. It says here that um, Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other sons and made him a special color. He showed his affirmation to his son by making this beautiful coat. Um, it doesn't have to be a real father. I don't know what relationship to have, you have to your real father. But I think it's so important, that we. and we spoke last night about it, that we have spiritual fathers in our lives that speak into our lives, that challenge us, that maybe hold us accountable to situations and, and you know, to, to actions that we take. And I think it's important to have fathers in other areas of our lives as well. Uh, when it comes to finances, maybe, it's good to have someone that is more wise than you in, in making that decision and to ask him, is that a good, good step that I'm taking, is that a bad ste- step? You know, we talked last night that we um, regularly see people that just um, counsel us in marriage. Uh, not because it, we have a hard marriage, we have a great marriage, but we want to stay healthy in our marriage. And we have people that speak into that. And, and just, just you know ask questions that we maybe w- normally wouldn't ask ourselves on a day-to-day life. And so I think it's really important to have many fathers in our lives that affirm us in many different areas so that there is a colorful robe that we can put on of many different colors because we have many voices that speak into our lives. And I just want really, to really encourage you um, that you search for fathers that can affirm you. If you flip that coin... You need a father who affirms you, but you also need to be a father that affirms others. And I think that's the other side of the coin, that actually maybe you are a spiritual father or a spiritual mother to other people. And as we said last night, I just really want to encourage you to take that role seriously and invest in the next generation because we need it so desperately. We need to know how you have these spiritual disciplines that keep you going for 10, 20, 30 years to following Jesus, still being in love and not being like, I don't know, a bored Christian that just doesn't know what to do with their lives. I mean, I heard another guy saying a couple of weeks ago, you know, when someone becomes a Christian, there is a party in heaven. Why are our churches sometimes feel like funerals? (laughs) Not this church, but the church. But it's true, isn't it? I mean, there should be a joy in the house because of what God has done in our lives, you know. And I think it's so important that we celebrate that with each other and that we become spiritual parents that pass on gifts and and just, you know, good habits and and traditions to how, how do you stay faithful to Jesus for 50 years? How don't you lose the fire for Jesus? You know, I meet so many people that maybe started off the journey so fired up, making a difference and wanting to, you know, do great things. And somewhere along the line, they just lost a lot of that. And I think if you meet someone who's been a Christian for 50 years, just ask him, how, how, did you, how do you keep your, your spiritual fire burning? How do you stay afresh in the spirit? And I think that's something so important. So we need a father that affirms us. And then it carries on. In Genesis 37, verse 19 to 22, it says, The brothers then said to one another, here comes the dreamer. They hated Joseph because he was dreaming. I wish they would call us dreamers sometimes. Um, Come now, let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits. Then we will say that a fierce animal has devoured him and we will see and we will see what will become of his dreams. But when Reuben heard it, he rescued him out of the hands saying, let us not take his life. And Reuben said to them, shed, shed no blood, throw him into this pit here in the wilderness, but do not lay a hand on him that he might rescue him out of their hand to restore him to his father. The second person you need in your dream team in order to see a dream fulfilled in your life is a brother that saves you, a brother that saves you. If it wasn't for Reuben, Joseph would have died. And the dream that God put inside of him would have been buried um, by some of his brothers maybe punching or hitting him to death And um, because they were so full of, full of hate and they were so desperate to kill him. But Reuben said, stop, no, 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 no. We're not going to kill our own brother. Let, let him throw into the pit, but let, not, let us not put a hand on him. And I think what we need in our lives is a brother who saves us. A brother who saves us sometimes. Um, the, the verse I just read in Ecclesiastes, you know, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. And then at the end it says, and though a ma- man might prevail against one who's alone, two will withstand him. A threefold, three-fold cord is not quickly broken. I think it's so, so, so important that we understand that we are not made to live life alone. And that we have people in our lives, brothers and sisters, that save us. Um, and maybe you are the first person in your family to get saved, and that's amazing. But I, I would encourage you to have brothers and sisters around you um, that just really help you in in, in situations. And I think um, church is an amazing soil or an amazing opportunity for that to be lived out because we are so diverse here we are from little babies you know all the way to um elderly (laughs) and it's amazing isn't it that in church you find everyone everyone and no one you can find in a church and it's it's incredible i think it's the only place probably like that in the world where there's such a diversity of people nationalities and interests and and so so diverse and i think the church is such a beautiful picture of what it can look like to have brothers and sisters around you that don't just go to church with you, but they actually share life with you. And I think sometimes we lose a little bit of that by just ticking the box of coming to church and, oh yeah, I've been this week and that's great. I think we need to make a transition to understand that church is is a lifestyle. It's something that you give yourself to. No matter how how committed you are or what you do, it's it's still a lifestyle where you Open yourself to share life with other people. And I think that's such a beautiful thing to have. Um, and I think, you know, church is just a great place. We call our teams dream teams um, because we know that we couldn't do church without them. So we have lots of people on dream teams. And we have, once a month, we have a dream team party where we celebrate people. And we have awards and it's, it's loud and it's wild and it's, you know, people love it. But, but we just wanted to celebrate the fact that people are investing in making a difference in our church. And we just celebrate that fact that so many people have come along. And you know what? I think when you understand that church is more than just a box to tick, it, it does something in you. I tell you a quick story. Emily, uh, she's part of our church. She's actually from Scotland, and she's studying in, in Cologne. and she's been coming to our church for about six months, um, and she started to join the worship team and she plays the guitar. Um, and she's a great girl. Um, and I met, I met her a few times on a Sunday. And I didn't really know her really well. But, we, you know, we just had a few quick chats. Um, and then one day, we received a text from one of our teams saying that Emily was in a really bad accident. And she broke her back in three areas. On the top, in the middle, and on the bottom. And that she was in the hospital. And we were like, oh, wow, you know, that's terrible. You know, we need to, we need to go and see her. You know, so we arranged, you know, to, to go to the hospital and see her because she, she was still lying. She was really scared and anxious because she didn't know what was happening. She couldn't move her legs at that time and um, she was really nervous and really, you know, anxious about what is going to happen. We arrived at the hospital to find out that three people from her life group were already there and two people from the worship team already sorted everything out in their house. They brought the clothes from the house to the hospital. They informed the parents in Scotland. You know, they were looking after her. They brought some food in. And so when we arrived, we were a bit like, wow, they, they've got this thing <laughs> covered here. So we felt a bit out of, out of place. You know, we, we, we prayed with her and we encouraged her. But for me, it was such an emotional moment to come into that, in, into that hospital room when I realized this is not just a box to take, but actually, we're sharing life together. Because before we as pastors, were able to get to the hospital where Emily was lying, and she was lying for four weeks, I think, just on her back, she she was not allowed to sit up straight. Um, her life group and her team were already there, and they covered everything they and they they looked after her, they brought food in every day, and they and they said, "Dom, great that you're here, but we don't really need you." <laughs> I said, "Oh brilliant, okay i I, I go then um, and And it was just so amazing for us to see. This is what church can be like, and this is what I, what I love about church, that we are sharing life together. And it's great to come on a Sunday, and it's great to celebrate, but I think it's, it's even greater when you share life, that, that when something happens that you haven't planned for, that you can see this is a family. This is not just a place where we come on a Sunday morning. And that's why I think it's so important, for example, to be part of a life group, to be part of a team, so that you gather yourself you know, with, with people, with brothers and sisters that can save you, in times when it's really difficult um, and that stand up for you. And I think that's just amazing. Um, We're not just going to church, we are the church. It's a lifestyle for us. So the question for you, what kind of brother or sister are you? Um, Just ask yourself, you know, who are you investing in? Who are you maybe, you know, mentoring or who are you, you know, just dragging along with you, you know, encouraging? I think it's just important that we have to invest in other people. And if it wasn't for Reuben, Joseph probably would have died. Um, All right, a father who affirms you, a brother that saves you. And thirdly, um, we're going to read first Genesis 39, verse 1. Joseph is now out of the pit and sold into slavery, and he's now a servant at Potiphar's house. And it says, verse 1 in uh, Genesis 39, Now Joseph had been brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, had brought him from the Ishmaelites, who had brought him down there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man, and he was in the house of the Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him and that he, and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. So Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him, and he made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. So you need a father who affirms you, a brother that, see, that saves you, and thirdly, a Potiphar who prepares you. He was thrown in a pit, but he, he was destined to be in a palace. Yeah. God spoke to him about that, that, you know, they will bow down before him, and his destiny was the palace. And I was, th- I was reading that story, and I realized Joseph didn't know anything about the palace. He didn't know how to do salaries and inventory. He didn't know how to look to after the palace and how to handle staff and, and do all these things. He, he was a shepherd on, you know, he was looking after sheep. He didn't know anything about how to run a huge empire like the, you know, in Egypt. He didn't know anything about that. He wasn't part of the economy system or, you know, he hadn't studied uh, economy or whatever. He was just a little boy that looked after some animals. And so then, all of a sudden, he's a slave in Potiphar's house. And I realized something, that actually, it was a preparation for the palace. You know, the time at Potiphar's house was a preparation for... Uh, for Joseph to be one day the second highest man in the entire nation of Egypt and so he prepared him for that and so God put him in that place to to train him and to teach him everything that he needed to know to run the palace one day and so he was the manager of everything in Potiphar's house and he was and he was learning and he was developing he was learning skills to one day be in the palace and I, I was thinking about it actually for me for us personally as a family, our time at DCC was a similar season for us. We learned so much from so many people. I remember so many conversations with so many of you about all sorts of, of, of situations and issues. And they have formed us and they've trained us for what we are doing now in another nation um, where God has now called us back. And it's just so amazing that you know some places that you're in right now are there to train you for what is coming next. Um, so it's not a place where you are, oh man, what am I doing here? I can't even understand them. They have a strange accent and talk about ducks and ducks and duckies. And, and, uh, I actually learned another phrase this, this weekend, um, risk it for a biscuit. <laughs> what a great saying. <laughs> Matt said it, he wanted to run over the fire. And he said, come on, risk it for a biscuit. <laughs> it's strange, isn't it? <laughs> But it was for us a preparation time, a, a time to learn and to serve and to give our best to, to just take as much in as possible. And one day God said, okay, that's it now. Pack your bag and go back uh, where you were born. And, and we went back to Germany. And, and I was reflecting on that. And for Joseph as well, he must have felt, wow, what am I doing here in this, in, this, in, this, in this house of Potiphar? But he must have come to understand that it was a time of preparation because of the way he served in the house. It says that everything, everything that he did was successful. And I think it's just great to remind ourselves that when he then came to the, to, the, um, to the Pharaoh, I think it's in chapter 41, he was ready for it. And it says, And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I ha- I've had a dream and there is no one who can interpret it. I've heard it said of you that you hear a dream and you can interpret it. Joseph answered Pharaoh, It is not, it is not in me. God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. And then a few verses later, 37, it says, This proposal pleased Pharaoh and, and all of his servants. And the Pharaoh said to his servants, how can, how can we find a man like this in whom is the Spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has shown you all this, there is, no, there is none so discerning and wise as you are. You shall be over my house and all my people shall order themselves as you command. Only as regards the throne will I be greater than you. A father who affirms you, a brother who saves you, a potiphar who prepares you, and a pharaoh with the famine. Can we find a man like this in whom is the Spirit of God? What a great sentence that someone would say over your life. Can we find a man who is filled with the Holy Spirit? I think that's a great reminder that this God dream that God maybe has placed in us is, is not our dream. It's God dream. It's not about us. It's always about Him. And whether it's maybe to write a song, to start a business. You know, we had great conversations last night about some of the dreams, you know, God has placed in you. Whether it's with your family or beyond that, maybe it's to do something globally. Whatever it is, I think it's always important that God gives the credit. And even Pharaoh gives credit to God, which I think is amazing. Um, and he wants to find more people like him. I think it's a great goal that your boss would say, Wow. How can we find more people like you? There's something different about you. What is it? You know, and and that people start asking questions about who we are and, and what our identity is. And that we can give, give glory to God and say, you know, we, you know we, we encountered something in our lives that made all the difference. And that's why we maybe react differently. That's why we maybe speak differently or behave differently. It's because of what God has placed inside of us. And I think it's when we want to see this God dream come true, it's understanding that sometimes problems are platforms for God to show up. And if there's a, a problem, like there was a huge famine in the nation, it was an opportunity for God to show his power. And so, so many of our God dreams, I think, are about solving problems. Solving problems in our nation. Whether that's to do with politics or um, medicine or whatever it is. But I think so many God dreams that people have, are about solving problems of injustice maybe, of, of things that are not going right in our educational system, whether it's in schools or in universities and in churches and in, in other areas of lives. But I think God just always you know, gives dreams that are a solution to problems that is currently facing on this earth. You know, because we live in this here but not yet reality. You know, we pray, you know, Your will be done in heaven as it is on earth or on earth as it is in heaven. And we have moments where we can see heaven coming to earth. You know, when someone gives his life to Jesus, when you know, someone gets healed or when, when you see a breakthrough in your life. But we're not living in heaven yet. <laughs> we're still living on a fallen earth that is full of people that are separated from God. And the way we work, the way we spend our money, the way we raise our family can build a bridge to people to see that Jesus is alive in our lives. And I think it's a great testimony um, to so many of us. And we should really take this you know, at heart when it comes to our dreams, that God wants to use you to make a difference. And so Joseph, um, he was serving Pharaoh. And I think our collective calling for all of us when we talk about dreams is to serve. Because even Jesus was someone who served. He was called a friend of sinner. He made time for everybody at any moment in his time. And he says in Matthew 20, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. We have a saying in our church, if you're too big to serve, you're too small to lead. Maybe you've heard that before. But I think servanthood or servant, serv- service should be something that is at the very core of who we are. You know, that you, you should serve in your life. You should serve your family. You should serve your brothers and sisters. You should sh- serve in church. I think it's a place where we can show to the world that the church is not dead, that it's still alive, that you know, the, the last chapter has not been written about our churches. And we need your service in our churches. We need the gift that God has placed inside of you to make this place a place where all the seats will be taken with your neighbors and work colleagues and people that you've been praying for, brothers and sisters and uncles and aunts, So that they experience the same freedom that we've experienced by meeting Jesus. And sometimes I think we take that a bit too lightly. And we say, oh, you know, we have some paid staff and they can look after that. I think that's such a nonsense, (laughs) to be honest. Because God has placed something inside of you that I don't have. And we need that in our church to be displayed. And we're constantly trying to create an atmosphere in our church. And I know you do the same. Where people have the chance to step up and to become leaders. And it's amazing to see. One of the greatest joys of being a pastor is to see people blossom, blossoming in, in the gifts that God has given in them. And we have countless amount of people that came to us. They've never been involved in church. They've never done anything. And they've came to us and we were sitting at the table. I just remembered uh, when I was preparing that Kim, she's now in our lead team. Her, her husband is a campus pastor for the location that we are just about to launch in another part of the city. And... Um, and they both came to a dinner party, so it was over two years ago, and they were just sitting there, and a great couple, you know, he's a police officer, and she's in, in marketing, and um, and we just, we just started talking, and they said, yeah, we've been to a few churches, but I never really got involved, and yeah, it's, it's great, and we, we like it, but, you know, it's, yeah, we, we just wanted to come and see what you're doing here. And so we were just talking, and I just thought, wow, they are so gifted and so talented. So I found out that Kim was working in marketing, and, I, and at that time, I was leading the marketing team which was a disaster cuz I don't know anything about designs or whatever and 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 it was just terrible but we just had to do it because no one else was there to do it and we invited her to come to the next marketing meeting and we started talking we started the meeting and after like 20 minutes she looked really confused the whole time she's like I'm really sorry is there any structure to your team or like do you actually plan when you post what post on what channel we're like no, <laughs> no we don't have a plan like that ah, okay okay and then she just kept asking these random questions and after a while I felt like I think she should really lead this team not me so at the end, I said, Kim, I think you should, you should really be the leader of the team, not me. And she agreed to it. And now our communic- communications team is the biggest team of our church. It has about, I don't know, 45 people, you know, 10 photographers and loads of people doing social media and websites and all of that stuff. And Kim did all of that. I didn't do anything in that team. She raised the people. She came up with the structure for the team. She has, you know, sub teams, she calls it, you know, and other people are in there. And it's amazing to see her blossoming and what a difference it makes now we are training other churches in germany about communication <laughs> so they're calling me and saying wow what you're doing with communication is amazing can we have a training or you know a skype call i'm like, well, i can't i can't tell you anything about this this area and please speak to kim and so we're now thinking you know maybe we have to employ her one day because it's it's getting a bit out of hand but it's just unbelievable to see someone come in and realizing that actually her life can make a difference. And she said to us at the very beginning, you know, she never, she never knew what her contribution could have been to a church. And I think, wow, what a shame. You know, so much potential. And there are people in here, we spoke to a few guys about starting businesses. There are other people in here that already have businesses. You know, and find a space to come together and, and, and work and collaborate and, and learn from each other. I think the church has such a great platform to do whatever you want in life, really. Because there's probably someone there who's done it before you. And so to ha- to create this kind of community where people can blossom and flourish is amazing. And so if you haven't found your place in this church, try to look and ask God, what have you given me? Because God can take what he has given you and turn it into something amazing. Think of the feeding of the 5,000. It was just a lunchbox. It wasn't something special or amazing. or Wow, this guy, you know, he's got so many talents. It was a lunchbox. And he offered it to Jesus and Jesus did an amazing miracle of feeding 5,000 people. And so if you give what you have to Jesus, if you offer it, I think it always starts with availability. We have a phrase that we use in our church all the time. We're looking for people that are fast. F-A-S-T. We love these little word play acronyms. Fast, faithful, available, spirit-filled and teachable. And I think if you start looking for people who are faithful... And who are available? Who say, "Okay, I'm going to come. I'm going to be there." Who 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 love Jesus? Who are spirit-filled and who are teachable? Very important characteristic. Um, then I think you've got great a great set of giftings, or uh, not giftings, but a great set of characteristics to be a great member of your team. And so, if you lead a team, if you're in a team, you need to have a radar on all the time: who is fast here? Who's fast? Who's fast? Who's fast? Who's fast? Because you have to raise up other people as well in your team. And I, and I think, if, you know, that is such a the thing that is so strong in my heart, you know, that we need churches that just release people into their giftings. And it's amazing to see so many, over so many years, being raised up in Derby City Church and sent out, and making a difference in so many different nations, even in the world, and in Nepal, and in, 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 in Cornwall, in Germany. It's amazing the heritage, the richness you, ha- you have in this church of raising people up and sending them out. But for you or for the people that maybe you and God called you to stay in Derby and to maybe be committed to that city, I would really encourage you, find a spot or a place in the church where you can use the gifting that God has given you. And if you don't know how or where, then speak to the leaders or you know make an appointment or whatever. But I think it's such a shame um, if you don't use it because the church is so much better because of you. And so many people will benefit from the gifting that God has placed inside of you to make this dream that we have as one church to transform the atmosphere of our city come true. So we love being part of your church. You know, We really feel like an extended arm in Cologne. We have the same logo. Uh, we have the same pastor. Uh, and Dave comes over every couple of months. Everyone knows him in Cologne as the bishop. And, and he <laughs> speaks live. And uh, he keeps us on track and focus on what is really important. And we've been so thankful for your support. And uh, we just really want to pray this morning that God would release something fresh, um, in your life, because I think God is stirring something up. We spoke last night about some songs that is God, God is releasing and, and maybe stirring up in this church to come out, and I think that 's amazing to to allow God to stir something in the spirit so why don 't we just you know close our time together by just um, coming into to a position of receiving something fresh? Maybe some of you have been Asking God, okay, what, what do you want to do with my life, Jesus? You know, I feel a bit like, you know, I'm going around in circles. And, and what, what do you want to do? How do you want to use my life? And I think that God is saying to you that it starts with being available. To make yourself in a posture that God can use you. It doesn't matter what. It, it might mean that you first have to serve in Potiphar's house before you go to the palace. It might mean that you have first to do something that you weren't maybe preparing for. But it will always lead to what God has put inside of you. And I can't wait to see how you will flourish and blossom, and coming to your giftings and making a difference. And I think together we will impact this generation, this nation, this city, and everyone around us. So why don't we just stand? Think we're we going to sing a song at the end, or okay? I mean, you can start playing. Rob said, okay, if that's okay. One thing that I wanted to say, I I learned the other day, I don't know if it's in England the same, but in the U.S. Army, there is um, a status linked to the rank of the soldiers, and it's a P, and it's in brackets. And so you have Sergeant, I don't know, James, and in brackets it says P, and the P stands for promotable. And it's so fascinating, and I I read an article about it, I don't know why, but I just read this article, and it talked about that in, in the Army... You have ranks like sergeant and major and all of that, but you also have status, like promotable. And I really felt reading that that God was speaking to me, that actually He's more concerned about status than rank, yeah, that's right. and He wants to just maybe say or speak to us this morning, you know, and say, you know, are you promotable? <laughs> because these guys in in the army, they have the P because they have shown in the service and the way they they were working that they were promotable. So, God looks at our teams and maybe our lives and the areas we serve in and, and he thinks, okay, is he promotable? The team promotable in good days, promotable in bad days, promotable. It has a lot to do with our spirit, I think, how we position ourselves. And so, the status is so important. It's much more important than the rank. And so, It is just just something I wanted to pray into that actually God confirms us, you know, by giving us the identity of being a son. And we, we talked about, you know, that we need a father who affirms you, a brother that saves you, a potiphar that prepares you, and a pharaoh with a famine, a problem that we can solve. And so, Jesus, we're just going to come before you right now and we thank you that our status is more important than our rank. Who we are before you, Jesus, is more important than what we actually do. And I thank you, Jesus, that before anything else, we are your children. We are sons and daughters of the living God, of the King of kings and the Lord of hosts that created this universe and everything in it. And we thank you, Jesus, that we are alive today, that you give us the breath to breathe today. Lord, we are we're coming before you this morning with a thankful heart. And I pray that you would release something in the, in the spirit this morning, that you would release fresh dreams into our lives dreams that we put on a shelf that are full of dust right now because we think they would never come to pass. I pray that you would resurrect them this morning, that you would bring them back to life. I pray for fresh dreams to come into our hearts, things that we want to see happening in our cities and our neighborhoods, and our families and our workplaces, whether it's writing a book or writing a song or starting something or being a solution to someone's problem. I pray that you would drop something in our spirit that is a God dream that we will chase after, that we will have a focus on, just like Joseph, all those years of serving and pursuing and even suffering in prison and, you know, being, being tempted and rejected, God, but he never lost focus of the dream that God has placed inside of him. So I pray right now for everyone that is here, that you would release something fresh, God. Come, Holy Spirit release something fresh into our lives this morning. We come with the posture of, of receiving something from you, God. Thank you that you, are a, that you are a God who allows us to dream. And Lord, we want to dream bigger than our own lives. We want to dream bigger than what we maybe see right now. Lord, we believe that the best is yet to come. And I pray for every family, for every individual, for everyone who's here right now, that you would give us a dream that is bigger than our own lives, God. Thank you that it was never about us. And thank you that you can use anyone who just makes themselves available to be used by you. And I pray, God, that you would install fresh vision and dreams into our lives this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.